Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Soccer's Overtime, your first ever San Diego Soccer's dedicated weekly podcast heading into the 2018-19 season. Season 1, Episode 1 of Soccer's Overtime. Craig Elston and Nate Abrea here with you, broadcasting today from our Mighty 1090 Podcasting Studios. This is a joint venture with San Diego sports leader and Nate. So excited not only for you and I to be going into our second season together announcing and 12 home games coming up on MASL TV, starting with a home opener December 16th against Rio Grande Valley, but also for us to have this collaboration on a weekly basis, the Monday Soccer's Overtime Podcast. Fantastic stuff. Good to be here with you, Craig, and good to be back in the spirit of arena soccer. It feels like just yesterday I was down in Monterrey, Nuevo Leon, eating cabrito and ranchero <laughs> steak and calling the uh, MASL final, or as they call it down there, the Football Rapido Gran Final between the Monterey Flash and the Baltimore Blast. Won by the lads from Baltimore yet again, and now back in the swing of things here in San Diego locally with the Soccers. MASL is back. Cannot wait. This, again, will be a weekly process here throughout the course of the MASL season. Soccers Overtime will be recording on Monday afternoons. And you can subscribe to Soccer's Overtime on all the popular podcasting platforms. Uh, as we record this, we're in the initial episode, which you'll find on Mighty1090.com. You might be dropping in from the future to listen to us as well, but uh, soon to be available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Spotify, iHeartRadio, pretty much anywhere that you find your podcast, you will find us. So what to expect on a week-to-week basis on Soccer's Overtime. Pretty straightforward. Nate and I are here. We are here for you, hardcore soccer fans, and fans of the major arena soccer league. So as we go through the three-ish weeks here prior to the beginning of the soccer season, we're going to get you ramped up and ready for 2018-19, introducing you to some of the new players on the San Diego Soccers, talking to the key decision makers behind the scenes about what's happening as this team comes together and bringing you interviews from the players during practice. That's all uh, planned for the next three weeks. Then as we get into the regular season, Nate, I see this as a place where we're looking back at the past weekend, talking about the results, hearing from the players that have been the key stars for San Diego, looking at what's happening around the Pacific, around the Western Conference, and around the Major Arena Soccer League, talking to people as big as the commissioner, you know, and as lowly as whoever's working at the arena, uh, and just getting you hyped each week and getting you the information that maybe you're hungry for as a soccer fan. I think something I'm really excited about is this podcast being something for the insiders, but also something for the newbies, something for, for someone who's just a San Diego sports fan, may have not been to a soccer's game before. You take someone to a soccer's game for the first time, so many times I've seen it happen, they're hooked, they're coming back for more. The excitement of arena soccer, it's such a special, unique thing. There's people who are involved in arena soccer who are true students of the beautiful game, of the quote-unquote outdoor game, of the international game. And there are also people who are very into arena soccer who are just, like we said, local San Diego sports fans. And the nostalgia in play with the soccer's brand, it gets people hearkening back to the early 90s and the late 80s and the glory days, the Ron Newman era of the San Diego soccer's. And I think all of that can combine here very well on this podcast right here on Soccer's Overtime. This is for the insider. This is for the dedicated season ticket holder who lives and breathes San Diego soccer's action and this is for the person checking it out for the first time good to have you all all right so let's take a look at what's happened in the summer months for the San Diego soccer's franchise when last we left them we saw them 
walk off the carpet at Arena Monterrey, having uh, lost 6-4, to four, and to see their season closed out in the Western Conference Final. A one-leg playoff, which is regrettable, uh, and hopefully something at MASL uh, will be correcting going into 2018-19, but it was what it was. The, the Flash had a brilliant regular season. The Soccers did, too. They went 19-3, and but it just wasn't enough to have home field for the entire postseason, and that wound up being critical. Monterrey didn't lose at home until the final when Baltimore was able to take it from them. Yeah, it was, uh, for the soccers, obviously, massive heartbreak there at the end in Monterey. Speaking entirely selfishly, it actually worked out kind of well for me. I went down to Monterey and <laughs> called the final, but okay, we'll, we'll leave that for another story. Uh, the ending for the soccers last year, it felt very unfair. It felt, ext- uh, was the word you kept hearing floated around there, unfair, but then there were players and coaches within the soccers who were actually the first people to step up and say, no, that's not the right word for it. We had a job to do. We knew it was a difficult job. We knew that job was basically 20-2 and two or 21-1, and one, and we ended up at 19-3, and three. and it's like you hear in NFL football, it's like you hear in so many postseasons, home field, it's going to come down to home field, it's going to come down to the road to the final, going through, insert city here, insert country here, in this case, of the Major Arena Soccer League, a dual national league, it should also be pointed out for anybody unfamiliar with this league, such a cool situation with the MASL, but it was a big letdown for the soccers down there in Monterrey, and to come so close, to come closer, really, than Monterrey actually ended up coming against Baltimore at home in the final, Baltimore I, in my opinion, not to upset anybody down in Monterey, I thought outclassed the Flash in that final and were worthy champions. And it had me kind of chomping at the bit silently as I was calling that championship game, just thinking about that soccer's team that I'd covered and broadcasted for with you all season long going, man, I wonder if this soccer's team could have given a better challenge to the Baltimore Blast. Mm. And we'll see if those two teams do get to meet this year come a uh, MASL Gran Final. But that's the only way that's going to happen with the uh, Soccers playing the Blast. It would have to be in a championship game. We will get to see the Monterey Flash yes. in San Diego this season. And I'm very excited for that, a rematch of that game that you referenced. Yeah, in fact, the Soccers and Flash will play twice. They'll play December 8th, uh, 28th pardon me, in Mexico. And then the season finale home season regular season finale april 13th will be against the flash and who knows what's going to be up for grabs in that game whether it is mapping out playoff ranking field advantage could be up for grabs on that night in april could be a huge night so what happened around the major arena soccer league during the off season well let's start with who's in and who's out so we've got We've gone from a 16-team MASL to a 17-team MASL. We've gone from a two-country league to a three-country North American league. Uh, But we've lost one of the stalwarts of the league for the last several years in Soles de Sonora. They are taking what is believed to be, from what I've heard, Nate, a one-year break. uh, And they are expected to be back in the MASL for the 2019-20 season, but the club out of Hermosillo that was so powerful the last few years is shut down for the year. With that said, another iconic indoor soccer franchise, the Dallas Sidekicks, returns to the league after taking a year off. And the Sidekicks have come back. The Soccers played the Sidekicks at Allen Event Center in their lone preseason contest. This happened on Saturday, November 17, and that was a 5-3 win for the Soccers. We'll talk about that and recap the match later here in Soccers Overtime. But the Sidekicks are back. The Soles are out and we say hello and welcome and uh hey how are ya to the mississauga metro stars mississauga is a suburban toronto area an ontario franchise so we've got a team in canada a team in mexico 15 teams in the masl and here we go i need to catch up with the times clearly craig calling this a dual national league not giving the masl nearly enough credit a tri national league an international mecca the masl canada us and mexico it's one of the coolest concepts as a league i think in all of north america and loving the the return of the sidekicks. That is such an important name. We talk about the nostalgia with arena soccer. We talk about the history, the presence that the soccer's brand has here in San Diego, and it goes back to the the glory days of the old MISL back in the late 80s and into the 90s. 
and the Dallas Sidekicks were a huge, huge part of that. That name Tattoo for any yes. old uh, arena soccer fans. You remember Tattoo and the whipping off the shirt and celebration. And this goes back to the, the old smoke-filled arenas in Monterey and the romanticism of the original Baltimore Blast and back here with the soccers. These brands matter. These brands really, really matter. These, mon- these, these monikers are important. These matter to not only the history of arena soccer, but the history of just soccer as a whole and kind of the wacky history of soccer in America, but the beautiful history of soccer in America. And I think Dallas is a great, I call it an addition to the league, I guess a great return yeah. to the league for that market. And, and more specifically, though, for those colors, to see those colors back in play, to see that name back in play, and hopefully the fans come back in droves and get this thing uh, back up and running in Dallas. And by the way, when I'm talking about these changes, uh, I was kind of Western Conference focused. We should also mention the Syracuse Silver Knights moved 50 miles east in New York. They're now Utica FC. And uh, from what I've seen from the first preseason game and just knowing uh, coming off of three years working in the American League in hockey and knowing what the Utica market is, while it's a very small city, I think it's perfect for MASL. They're... uh, Bank, I think they call it the odd, uh, is is a perfect size. It's like a 3,800-seat place, but they sell it out all the time. Uh, Utica FC is in a uh, cooperative agreement with the Utica Comets of the American Hockey League, so their sales teams are selling each other's tickets, uh, and it seems like that's a great situation for the MASL. Also, the Orlando Seawolves are in the league this year. They've got Gordy Gerson. That should be a good setup. So MASL looking strong, and I think uh, as we – kind of as a last uh, league topic before we shift to our club in San Diego, Nate. I I know, and you and I talked about this late in the season as well. Last year was a 16-team league, but to me it was really a four-team league with 12 other teams that were there to fill out the schedule. And as the MASL grows and evolves, and I think we're seeing the personnel moves in the Pacific Division that show that this evolution is coming, you really want to start to see a middle class in this league, a stronger middle class that's challenging the top. And my hope is with some of these franchise moves and, and with the, st- the stabilization of the league that seems to be taking place, that we're going to start to see that more clubs in position to contend. Well, it's kind of that question of how you want to build it from a league standpoint of more having it be more quote-unquote parity-based or having it be more sink or swim, and that's what's going to create the competition to build the right club culture and, and build the right successful culture around your team in this league. And as you pointed out quite a bit last year, and as we talked about quite a bit last year, it was that top four teams, those four names, essentially the, the two Mexican teams last year, Baltimore and San Diego. And that was the, the, the four teams of the entire league, and then you had the rest of them. Really, really hope, as you're already alluding to, that 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 changes a little bit this year. And I think it has, as far as that question, that kind of prototypical question from a league standpoint that I threw out there a minute ago, I think it's going a little bit more in the parity direction. I think talent has been uh, dispersed a little bit more evenly uh, this year, and I think talent is spread around the league um, in a way that's going to benefit competition. I I am confident in saying that. It's not guaranteed, though. I'm very anxious to see how some of the lesser teams from last year look this year, if there is a change in culture in places like Turlock or or a few other places uh, around the league and and clubs that we will see, that we will still see this season. We'll see if they're uh, more of the middle class of the MASL that you speak of. So now let's turn our attention to the San Diego Soccers. And, of course, uh, as this man speaking into the microphone here, speaking out of the left side of his mouth, says that he'd like to see a greater parity in the league. Now out of the right side of the mouth, I'd like to note that I'm working for the club that would like to eliminate all that, go 24-0, go into the playoffs, sweep the playoffs, and and lift the Ron Newman Cup. The Soccers believe they have got a great team. But what we've seen from this franchise since the 2012-13 season has been a very familiar pattern the last five years, Nate. A club that's really good, quite often great, but not the greatest in the league, the second or third best record in the league, and has one team in their conference that manages to outpace them and then loses to that team in the second round of the MASL Ron Newman Cup playoffs. And it's been a second round exit. It was Las Vegas. It was Las Vegas. It was Sonora. It was Sonora. You know, uh, and, and you see that commonality in pattern 
in terms of losing out and, and seeing your season come to an end. And you want to see that change this year. And I think while maybe for the casual or even the not casual, the, the deep soccer's fan, they've seen a lot of familiar names not on the roster and leave San Diego this offseason. I think you have to look at this, Nate, within the, the mindset of what can the club do to stop running into this second-round brick wall and maybe a, a fine-tuning wasn't needed, maybe a retooling was needed. Some fresh flavor was needed for the San Diego soccer side because, yeah, the repetition was getting into some people's heads and it was becoming, oh, it's just the inevitable. It wasn't just, oh, this might happen. This is how it's going to end. People essentially for the last couple of years have said it, you know, where it's like half joking, but there's a lot of cynicism in play, which means there's a lot of seriousness in play. And it's exactly how it played out this last season. And it was a little bit disheartening, but you go back to that regular season that you talked about here earlier in the show, and that is this striving for perfection, this this ask, this attitude that you must have. We have to go 24-0, and otherwise we're going to have to play the semifinal on the road and we'll probably lose the semifinal because it's happened four years in a row, and that's just how it goes for us. Getting a bunch of new talent in, getting a bunch of new names in, getting some people in who don't know anything about that repetition, that's a good thing for me. Not to say that any... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Of those familiar faces and people who were such important characters, important figures in our local soccer culture and of course with the soccer's brand and the ethos of that team, not to say that they were ever lacking any competition, any desire on their part, came up just short, agonizingly short this past season in Monterrey. I'm not trying to damn anybody on that side, but I love the idea of bringing in new names, people who don't know, people with ignorance is bliss in this case. We don't know about any semifinal playoff curse. All we know is going out and winning the next game, so I'm excited seeing some of the new names. We do have some uh, important farewells to give to uh, some of those names that you mentioned. But, yeah, excited for the the fresh flavor of 2019. Well, in just a couple of minutes, we'll be joined uh, live here on Soccer's Overtime by Director of Player Personnel Cheeky Luna. He's going to call in to the podcast, and we'll get an opportunity to kind of go through some of these moves player by player. But before we bring Cheeky on, I thought, Nate, it would be good for you and I to address the biggest, latest, and for soccer's fans, most controversial move, which is to see one of the legacy names in soccer's history, Toth, moving to a rival divisional club in a blockbuster four-player trade. Chris Toth and Andrew Luray sent to the Ontario Fury, sent right up I-15, uh, to Ontario, and in exchange, Leonardo de Oliveira and Juan Gonzalez, the identical twin brother of Felipe Gonzalez, coming to San Diego. So let's start with talking about Chris Toth, a young man who started playing for the Soccers at age 19, who's helped the Soccers to, you know, and on the roster for four championships in the Professional Arena Soccer League, twice won MASL Goalkeeper of the Year, including last year. Uh, Chris Toth, an icon to be remembered, to be revered, to be sure. Also, a young man who's been in this nest his entire life playing under the banner of his father. It's quite understandable to me, Nate, that at some point he'd want to spread his wings and fly somewhere else. 
and take on a new challenge the way we all need to do sometimes. And Chris Toth is, is I, I'm right here on the pod right now, tipping my cap. This is a really nice retro soccer's cap that I got right here. About uh, yeah, it looks like you took it off Norbert Stein's head. 91, I mean, 92-ish. It's, it's so old, the old San Diego. What radio station is that? That's Quezon right there. Yeah, no, that's country music, baby. They're still around. All right, all right. Oh, and you got the Little Caesars, too. Cheers to, cheers to everybody who supported soccer's from the beginning all the way to now here in 2018-19. Chris Toth, tip of the cap, tip of I don't care if it's the retro cap with the lineage and the family that you talk about or the most updated cool soccer's cap you can find here in this year. Tip of the cap to Chris Toth. I mean, he's a, a guy who has become such a household name and also just such a down-to-earth dude and someone with a cool tie to beach soccer and arena soccer and the outdoor game. And this is something that I, I've talked about with you off the air quite a bit and with a lot of people surrounding the soccers who are involved in the youth soccer culture here in San Diego. And there's a lot of that kind of interchangeable stuff with the soccers. And, and one of the, the men that's going to be on the show with us next knows all about this and the relationship with the youth soccer culture. And Chris Toth was a, a a fine example of that and such a great influence for so many goalkeepers, young goalies around the area. And how many times did Chris Toth take off his gloves and give them to kids in the front row? And you think about Danny Waltman being another example of this as a great goalkeeper name around the MASL. And the amount of times I've seen both of those gentlemen just say, here, I'm giving my gloves to a kid. I can get a new pair. This kid is going to remember these gloves forever and ever and and have these as a souvenir forever and ever. As much as I love talking about and remembering just the incredible saves from Chris Toth, the clean sheets in arena soccer, that's not a thing that happens very often. Shutouts, clean sheets in arena soccer and the high-scoring, firework-friendly arena soccer landscape. Chris Toth actually kept shutouts. He made electrifying saves, but for me, what actually kind of exceeds all that is the presence that he had with the youth uh, here in San Diego is just a fan favorite of every kid who walked into that building. In the three years that I've been covering the team, it was Toth and Childs were the two names that every kid knew right. when they walked into the sports arena. Absolutely true. And Chris will be missed. There's no question. And he is a talent in the MASL. But there is a uh, ready and able goalkeeper yes, ready is. to finally take the reins as the uh, out-and-out number one for the Sockers. And I'm excited to see what he brings this season. Yeah, and that's Boris Pardo. And from a very—now, if you take sentimentality out of it, Sockers fans, if you want to look at this clinically— Okay, strategically, let's talk about asset allocation. Okay, let's talk about asset management. Last year, the Sockers had, if not the two best goalies in the league, statistically, they did have the two best keepers in the league. If you want to, you know, throw in Vinzella in Baltimore and you want to say two of the top three, two of the top four, you know, if you want to go down to Reynoso, you know, okay, I got you. I got Waltman, right? But they've got two of the very best goalies in the entire league. Splitting starts. Chopping things up. One guy gets 12, another guy gets 12. One guy starts the home games, another guy starts the road games. And when you've got two great keepers, now you've got a problem in the postseason. Who starts? Who starts game one? Does the same guy start game two? Do you go from two great goalies to one? Because it's the playoffs? Or do you continue to alternate? Because they're both good. And you know what? Every single time that one guy starts, the other guy thinks he should have started. And if the player, God forbid, loses that game, well, now we're really talking about it. Right? Oh, well, you know, would it have happened if so-and-so had started instead of such-and-such? And meanwhile, you've got two great goalies. And maybe you've got a weakness somewhere else. On the back line, in the midfield, on attack. Well, this is, for me, classic asset reallocation, okay? Chris Toth goes to the Ontario Fury, but you get two of the top three players off the Fury roster coming to San Diego. Toth, yeah, he's going to start plenty of games in net for Fury when he's not off with U.S. Beach Soccer, but does Ontario have enough attack to carry the play in, in the MASL Pacific Division? Meanwhile, you get Leonardo de Oliveira, a classic target forward, someone in the likes of an Enrique Tovar in his prime. 
in, in terms of a guy who can hold the ball, be a pivot point, you know, hold the ball on the high post and, and dish off. Th- these are the types of things you're going to get with Leo on the team, and I think the Sockers are a stronger overall unit, letting Pardo take the net and having more talent now up front and in the mid. I think it's a good trade for everybody. Yeah. I think both teams got additions that they needed, and I love that. Asset reallocation, and I'm glad you also brought up and pointed out one of the two individuals that they're receiving, in addition to the twin, Leo de Oliveira. Seeing him last year a couple of times against the Sockers, he's definitely a target man. He's got that ability to play with his back to goal and be that pivot point that you talk about, the the double pivot, as Jose Mourinho would say. De Oliveira... (laughs) for me, is one of those guys who doesn't get nearly enough credit because he's so good as a, in, in the outdoor game would be, a, you know, your, your number nine or in the arena game, just your kind of point man there that can play with his back to goal, very much in the fashion that Craig Childs has done for years for the San Diego Soccers. I think because he's so good at that, he doesn't get nearly enough credit as a technical skill player. Mm-hmm. He electrified the crowd a few times and embarrassed a couple of Soccers defenders a couple of times last year in 1v1 situations where you're going, hey, this dude's just a technically gifted soccer player. Let's forget about the hold-up play for a second. I'm excited to see what he's going to bring to the fold for the soccer. And I'm sure there's a, a few soccer's defenders who are excited to not have to face him in competitive games. Yeah, and there's a lot of folks who are going to have to keep their head on a swivel, too, Absolutely. and be ready for the ball because Leo's going to find you in spots where you can score. And that's what's so exciting is to have a player with that creativity. Of course, that's just the biggest of many moves from the San Diego Sockers. So before we dig into the rest of them, let's give a call out to the Director of Player Personnel, Cheeky Luna. And through the magic of podcasting, it's as if we didn't even stop. We just continue, and we welcome on the line now, calling in to our Mighty 1090 Podcast Studios here on Soccer's Overtime, the Director of Player Personnel for the San Diego Soccer's and one of the greatest clutch players in soccer's history, Cheeky Luna, a four-time champion in his own right and trying to find that 15th indoor title for the Soccer's in 2018-19. Cheeky, Craig and Nate here with you on Soccer's Overtime. Thanks a lot for being our first live guest. Hey, guys. Thank you for uh, having me on, and thank you for that uh, great intro. It's always uh, great to be on uh, with you guys, and it's always uh, fun for me to talk to soccer. All right, well, let's get started, buddy. And uh, as we were talking about before we brought you on, so many moves in the offseason. A lot of very familiar names no longer wearing the soccer's crest. Uh, A lot of new players coming in that have some really talented resumes. But uh, let's kind of start, Cheeky, with where things finished. With the team losing in Monterrey, uh, losing in the Western Conference Final, going into this offseason. And we were were talking about it before we brought you on. The the franchise has been kind of banging its head against a wall in the second round of the playoffs for the last few years. Was there a feeling when yourself, Phil Silvaggio, Sean Bowers, sat down, evaluated the roster, that it was time to get some fresh faces in to, to try and shake things up a little bit? You know, it, it was a little bit of uh, both. Um, last year, we were we were very close. I thought even that game we lost in Monterey, I thought we were, uh, if not the better team, I thought we were there on par with the Monterey. Uh, I know in soccer or in other sports, a lot of the times we we use the term unlucky, and I honestly feel we were unlucky in Monterey. Um, could we have done things a little bit different? Maybe, you know, if we would have finished one or two chances throughout the game, it would have been a different game. And we weren't able to finish uh, certain chances that we should have finished, and the outcome did not go our way. Uh, going into the off season, I felt we were maybe – uh, a move or two away from being that that team to take over uh, the conference um, favorites and and to be into the final and and ultimately I, I honestly think you know once you're at that point it's whoever's hot at that time and whoever has created uh, their luck throughout the year will usually uh, win the championship um, but I, I think we were at that point going into the off season I felt we were maybe a couple moves away from being that team. Uh, and then as the offseason went on, uh, one of our first losses was uh, Luan. That was a uh, big loss for us. I thought he was uh, a great teammate, great guy in the locker room. 
uh, unfortunately, when Luan's uh, decision had nothing to do on a on a personal level, play level, it was more of a, a financial decision on his end. Uh, we could not uh, offer him what he wanted at the time, and he received a uh, received a better offer, uh, a much better offer that at that time we could not match. And you know, we decided uh, uh, together that it was in his best interest for him and his wife uh, to take that other opportunity. Uh, then uh, along came the uh, Matt Clare trade. Uh, in that trade, it was, uh, you know, great relationship with Matt. Uh, obviously, great player for us. Uh, but it was just one of those things. We were a little bit lighter at the back. We needed uh, a big defender at the time. Matt was uh, not sure if he was here in San Diego long term. Uh, he felt like he might have been ready for a little bit of a change. He was unsure. And when the opportunity came up to get uh, a big defender like uh, Pino, uh, it just kind of made sense for uh, for all parties um, to go that route. Uh, I know when we approached Matt about it, he was excited about the opportunity. Um, he was looking to be uh, more of the uh, of the main figure of a team. Uh, obviously, with uh, with Childs here uh, at the time, we have Till. Um, you know, we have a few rising stars. We have a few big names. It it, it just didn't fit to what uh, Matt wanted at the time, and we decided well, this was the best move for the uh, franchise uh, going long term. So that that's a little bit about you know the the ins and outs that the uh, the fans and and the people that aren't in the locker room day to day. Some of the uh, the moves that happen that they might see it as a negative thing or hey, this, why is the franchise going this way? But I think there's a lot of moving parts. Um, you know, the, these players uh, are human. There's a lot of uh, feelings, emotions that go into uh, all of this. And not only are we building a team based on talent, evaluating talent, and trying to put, you know, points on the board and everything, um, a big part of it is is inside the locker room and uh, where they are in their personal life at the time. And I think that's that's a big part of uh, the moves that went on in our offseason. Hey, Cheeky, Nate over here. Uh, I wanted to ask you about something regarding uh, a topic, kind of a philosophy that we brought up earlier in the show, and that is this kind of ignorance is bliss thing among players coming in to a new culture, and I, I speak only in regards to this recent playoff history of the Sockers. Is this something we're bringing in some fresh faces and not at all to take anything away from what the likes of Matt, Claire, Chris, Toth, LSO, we're talking top talents who've given so much to the San Diego Sockers crest over the last few years. But is there something in bringing in a few names who know about the history and the prestige of the San Diego Sockers crest, but they don't know anything about losing out in the playoffs in recent years? Is there something of a a valuable breath of fresh air to bringing in some of these new names that you speak of? Yeah, there is a little bit uh, to that. Um, Obviously, you can't replace the experience of getting to that big game. Um, Because once you get to those big games... You need that experience, the the feeling of being there, and just... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The, the lights really get much bigger than playing a regular season game. So, you know, that experience that these guys um, brought was big. At the same time, uh, it is, uh, like you're saying, it's a, it's a uh, breath of fresh air when you're bringing in guys that haven't 
uh, lost in that in that semifinal the last two or three years. Um, so it'll it'll be good. Um, at the same time, these guys, uh, it, it's nice to have guys coming in, um, even from the point where where I called them and said, "Hey, this is what we're thinking. We're we're interested in in doing a trade for you. We're interested in having you in San Diego." I mean, the reaction I get from players, it, it's it's pretty amazing. You know, everybody is excited to to be in San Diego. All the players are usually uh, in shock when when we say, "Hey, we're looking at you for for the soccer's uh, jersey." They to them, uh, it's an honor. They're excited about it, and they are uh, working. You know, as soon as you get them here, they're working very hard, and they feel very very privileged um, to be in the soccer's uniform. So. I think a combination of all that uh, helps us out, helps out the team, uh, definitely helps out the locker. I, I think it's been a positive offseason for us. Let's talk about some of those players who will be making their soccer's debuts this year. And uh, you were very active in the free agent signing period. And uh, I think maybe the, the key name that we speak of is Christian Gutierrez, who last year was the star striker for El Paso. Before that, with Atletico Baja, had a 50-goal season down in Tijuana. You're bringing a Tijuana native back home. Uh, how excited are you for Christian Gutierrez? And what should soccer's fans expect from him this year? Uh, let's see. Christian Gutierrez, he's, he's been known uh, to be a goal scorer. He, I know he's been the last uh, three seasons, he's been uh, probably in the top two or three in scoring uh, points. He's a, a young kid. He's very, very fit. He's learning uh, more and more about the, um, the indoor game, so he's only going to get uh, better. Uh, Fitness-wise, you know, the fans are going to see a, a fast kid. He's very dedicated. I mean, I've been watching him uh, this whole week in preseason, everything about him. You know, you don't have to tell him, uh, hey, stay afterwards and, and do sit-ups, push-ups, for example. Everyone is stretching and everyone's pretty banged up from uh, doing these hard uh, workouts, the double days, and, and the kid's sitting there, uh, you know, doing a little bit extra, which is great. Um, he watches what he eats. Uh, it's it's uh, fantastic to watch him as a professional um, I think we're going to get a lot of scoring out of him. Uh, he has always been known to have uh, a great shot. He has a knack for goal. Uh, the Soccer's uh, fans are going to be treated, uh, I think, to, to a very good year out of uh, Christian. Uh, we also brought in another exciting forward, uh, Leo. Uh, that came on the trade with Ontario. Uh, Leo is a forward that we have been trying to get our hands on for the last, I think, two seasons. Um, Ontario was not willing to part ways with them uh, in the past, and that was one of the uh, main targets for us uh, this offseason. We, we tried other avenues. Uh, they weren't happening, um, but I think Leo is going to be a difference maker. He's going to be exciting for, for the fans, uh, but more than anything, he just brings a uh, little bit of a uh, dynamic that we were missing uh, next to Craig Charles. Definitely excited to see what Leo brings here this upcoming season. I'm really glad, Chiki, that you pointed out Christian Gutierrez's roots, uh, a Tijuanense, a Tijuas kid. And this is something that we're really interested in here with the soccers and, and with the football rapido culture of not only Tijuana, but kind of Mexico at large. And this being a tri-national league with a, a strong Mexican presence, but specifically here locally in San Diego, our very special, very unique cross-border sporting community that we have with Tijuana. Talk about that a little bit, how important that is, and just how flat-out cool that is to have a guy like Christian Gutierrez, to have guys like Eddie Velez over the years, people with strong cross-border presences within the soccer team. You know, it's it's great for us. Uh, for the team, it's great. For the community, it's great. Uh, for, you know, the fans uh, on both sides of the border, I think it's great. It gives this also gives us an opportunity to showcase our product and showcase the soccer's brand across the border. Um, this year, we actually have a few um, young kids on the team that are uh, based out of uh, Tijuana. You have uh, Christian Gutierrez, uh, the big name. Uh, we have uh, Brandon Escoto, uh, who I anticipate having uh, a huge, huge year. Uh, he's also based out of uh, Tijuana. Uh, we brought back another uh, big defender from uh, El Paso, uh, Manuel Rojo. 
he's another uh, young kid. Uh, he's 21 right now uh, with uh, two or three seasons under his belt. So he started playing pro at a very young age, and he's one that, that's just learning the game. He really needs to uh, step up and learn. But, you know, he's another uh, Tijuana native. Um, obviously, you have Eddie Velez, who is uh, the biggest name uh, uh, in um, the, the indoor soccer world of uh, uh, Tijuana. But it's awesome. Now people, and the kids especially, in Tijuana are seeing, hey, if these guys are working hard and they're going across the border making making a, a big name for themselves, they're making the soccer roster, they're able to play in San Diego, hey, why can't these kids work hard and we give them an opportunity? So I, I think it's a, it's a very positive thing uh, for both sides. Um, for the, the kids playing soccer in Tijuana. And for us, it opens up uh, more avenues. It gives us uh, more options when we're looking at players. You know what? And I'll, I'll tell you this. As the marketing guy for this club, uh, Televisa came to me last week, and they're very excited to promote the soccers on their morning show, and they'd love to have live guests in studio. And I think I'm putting our TJ boys on rotation and just saying, Gutierrez, you're going in for the first week, and then it's Rojo, you're going in for the next week, and then it's Eddie coming in after that. You know, And we're just going to keep – and it's Scott. And, and get those stars an opportunity in their own language to be able to market and promote the team. When I was talking with uh, my colleagues down in Tijuana, uh, the Yeme brothers, Carlos and Anuar Yeme, and they were telling me stories from the Ron Newman age, as they like to call it, <laughs> when they actually had a local Tijuana telecaster pick up the games. These games were on local TV in Tijuana back in the day. And, and I love Cheeky talking about guys who are quality, technically gifted soccer players actually having to have a little bit of a learning period, a little bit of a grace period, quote-unquote, learning the indoor game and becoming more acclimated to the walls, to the bounces, to all the niches and nuances of the arena soccer game. It's not always the case with guys from Tijuana. Football Rapido exists as a culture in and of itself all around Baja California and all around northern Mexico, for that matter, from Sonora out to Monterrey and all the way back here uh, to TJ. But I love that as just a kind of little add-on there of, of the culture and of this presence of the TJ players. A lot of these guys aren't just soccer players coming because this is where they found a way to make it. No, these are guys who actually know the niche of arena soccer and have played off-the-wall soccer for much of their lives all the way back to when they were kids. I agree with you 100%. Uh, it's a big part of the culture there. Um, you know, as, as we call it, football uh, rápido. Everyone plays it down in uh, in Tijuana. Uh, they they have a little bit uh, more of a of a free flowing system, which is always nice. The your average player uh, from there, uh, the creativity is through the roof. Now it's just a matter of incorporating the professional side of learning the indoor game because it, it, it's just a big difference. Once you're playing uh, a game with structure and you're playing uh, formats and you're trying to tell a guy, hey, we're sitting low, we're going to drop, hey, we're going to play this format, hey, we're playing that format, it, it's it's a lot for them to, to grasp and, and catch on and learn. Uh, but luckily we have um, you know another uh, – uh, Tijuana product in our uh, coaching staff right now. We have uh, Rene Ortiz, huge, huge asset to our uh, coaching staff, and he's helping develop and teach these kids that are here with raw indoor soccer talent. Now we're getting these guys on board and just giving them one more tool to be successful. Now they are learning how to play a professional style of soccer, which is something different. Let's talk about a couple other guys before we let you go, Cheeky. And uh, I'm thinking of two players brought in from afar, Taylor Bond from Tacoma, Michael Pittman, who last played with Baltimore but had been outdoor the last couple of years. Those are two uh, young men that are coming in to bolster the attack. And then one other name that I feel like just people aren't saying enough is Christian Segura, who comes from Soles and has been a pain in the soccer side for years. Yeah, you're correct. So we got Taylor Bond coming. Uh, you know, he was in Chicago a few years ago, made a name for himself in the league. He's um, a big guy, physical, uh, fast, uh, fit. Uh, he gives us a little bit of that bite we need up top. Uh, we needed uh, size. Uh, we added it with uh, Taylor. That toughness we need, uh, we added it with Taylor. It got addressed. So I'm excited to see what, uh, what Taylor does. Uh, he's been... Uh, great this offseason. Uh, he's been saying the right things, doing the right things. Um, he's all about the team. He's here. He could have gone to other places, uh, 
Um, and I know he came here for the right reasons uh, from day one. Uh, he just said, I want to win a championship. I want to know what it's like to be in that big game. And he felt that we give him the best opportunity at being in the big game. So that's why he decided to come here. Um, Travis Pittman uh, is another uh, big name. Uh, I've, been, I've known Travis now for a couple of years. Uh, I've been involved with him uh, playing a few uh, games with the uh, U.S. indoor team. And uh, he's been the, he's a true professional. Travis, uh, he knows the indoor game very well. He played uh, in a great system in Baltimore. So defensively, he's very sound. He's very solid offensively. He's got great skills, um, you know, speed, fitness, uh, and he's a great kid. That's the uh, the other thing um, that that people might not know, see, or evaluate. Um, right now, the the team that we're that we built together. We're we're looking more more and more at, hey, what is this person like in the locker room? What's he uh, what's he like off the field? We're trying to build a great team in the locker room first. Then you start building outwards from there. Um, I think that's going to take us uh, a long way. Uh, the other names that you um, about uh, we have uh, Segura. Segura was a key player for Sonora the last few years. Um, he was, you know, Segura's one of those guys that's a little bit more on the quiet end. Uh, he's just a workhorse. Uh, there might be times where you don't notice him too much, but when you're out there on the field and you ask players that played against him or his teammates, one of the first names that comes up that says, who do you want next to you in that locker room or out on the field when uh, times get tough? Uh, Segura is one of those guys. He, um, you know, much like uh, like Ruiz and Contreras, who we brought over from Sonora, um, you know, we pretty much picked their roster apart. We <laughs> we went there and said, who did we see that beat us? Why did we lose to Sonora? And I think those were the three names that we said. That was the glue, and that's what kept that team together. So we we knew we wanted them on our roster. Um, if you can't beat them, get them. I was going to say, it's, exactly. not if, it's not if you can't beat them, join them. It's if you can't beat them, persuade them to come to San Diego. And what an easy sell you got on your hands, Cheeky. Come to San Diego. Everyone says yes in a heartbeat. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think people love uh, being here. They know uh, what this organization is about. Um, they know this organization is uh, truly uh, players first. Everyone is watching out for the players. Uh, there's no... There's no uh, hidden agenda. Uh, there's no other agendas on the side. This isn't about, you know, how can we use players to to make money off of them. I think uh, everyone around the league uh, knows that the word has spread, and that's why everyone uh, would love to be in San Diego. All right, last thing, Cheeky, before we let you go, uh, I don't think uh, it would be right for us to let you go without at least getting a comment about Chris Toth leaving the Soccers. We talked about Leonardo coming into San Diego along with Juan Gonzalez. Obviously, you you made a great trade uh, that, as we talked about before we even had you on, should benefit both teams going forward. But I, I know with such a legacy name like Toth and a young man like Chris, who you've known for a decade or longer, there, there had to be some emotions in that decision as well. Yeah, that's uh, by far the um, the biggest thing. Uh, not just that we were involved with as far as um, uh, trade wise, but I think just uh, around the league, Kristoff uh, is uh, one of the biggest names right now. Obviously, uh, goalkeeper of the year. Uh, you know, one of the top uh, three to four goalies in my eyes uh, in this league. And, uh, yeah, for someone uh, to look at it from the outside and, and, and try to make, um, you know, make reason as to why we would trade away Chris Toad, it just doesn't make sense, and, and I understand that. Um, and th- this whole trade and Chris moving on just went on. It's way more than the soccer aspect. This was more of a, of a personal thing. It was more of a friendship thing. Because you saw this kid grow up in the soccer's family. Um, you know, Chris has been around the soccer since uh, he was in diapers when his dad was playing here. You know, Zoli is a soccer's legend. Uh, Zoli's going to be a soccer for life. Uh, much like Chris. Chris grew up in this house, and uh, he grew up in this family. Uh, I, Chris started with our reserve team. I was on the—this uh, is back when I was playing, and— 
uh, everyone knew, like, wait, that's Soli's kid at first. And then it, it, the, it wasn't Soli's kid anymore. It was, holy crap, who's that goalie with the reserve team? And then, you know, obviously he uh, earned, uh, he worked hard and he earned, and, you know, he, nothing was given to him. Uh, he earned that spot as a starting goalie for the Sockers. Uh, once he became the starting goalie, uh, he only got better and better until he became uh, the top goalie in this league. And right now, uh, when we came into this offseason, um, it was more of one of those things where Chris said, hey, I've known this since I was a little kid. I've been a soccer since I was a little kid. And the only the only uh, thing I can compare it to is when, um, you know, your, your child grows up and says, hey, I want to move away for college. I want to experience something different. I want to experience living away from home. I don't want to be under my parents' uh, roof my whole life. I want to know what it's like. And that was the situation with Chris where he wanted a taste of something different than the soccer organization. Um, you know, I tried talking to him because, you know, obviously his talent, um, he's a good guy. Uh, in the locker room, he was great with the guys uh, off the field. You know, in the community, he's always been a good guy. Uh, but once he expressed and he was very open about wanting to try something new and just wanting something outside of where he grew up, outside of the soccer's home that raised him, um, it, it was more of, hey, if, if that's what you really want, then you got to let the, the kid walk and go see life outside of here. Um, and that's what that uh, that trade was about, uh, more of uh, of doing Chris a favor because that's what he wanted at the time, and that's what he wants. He wants to experience something new. So we said, hey, go go check it out. Go see what's out there. And, uh, you know, we wish him the best. Um, but, you know, the, the door is always open to him. He would, uh, this is always his home. Cheeky Luna, Director of Player Personnel for the San Diego Soccer. Soccer's preparing for the home opener, season opener on December 16th against Rio Grande Valley. And, of course, coming off a preseason win in Dallas last weekend as well. Cheeky, thank you so much for the insight on what was a very busy offseason for the Soccer's. There were so many moves made. I thought it was just an obvious fit to have you on uh, Episode 1 of Soccer's Overtime to lay it out for the fans. Can't wait to continue the conversation as we head toward the season opener. Perfect. Can't wait to talk to you guys again. And, you know, I'm sure the fans, once they uh, see the product out there, the team uh, we have built, um, no doubt they're going to be excited. And I think they're going to be very, very happy with uh, the Sockers team they're going to see out there game one. Great stuff, Cheeky. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. There's Cheeky Luna. And, you know, I, I thought there was a lot, obviously, to chew on, and, and we just had to have Cheeks on to go through it player by player by player and figure it out and get everyone amped up for the season. And, you know, it's tough to always say goodbye to familiar names. And if you're a veteran of the pro sporting scene, you get more and more used to it over time. I think in soccer's land, compared to other places where there's more stability, we start to think of these players as family and as always being here. And this year, this offseason shows you, you know, there's still a big business involved. And I love one particular quote there. There were a lot of really cool things that Cheeky had to say, but I love one particular quote, and that was going back to Toth growing up within the soccer's culture and growing up. He was a soccer from the time he was in diapers all the way to now moving on and, and heading just up the road to Ontario. And it's almost as if this moved to Ontario for Chris Toth. This ties all the way back to him when his age was single digits, when when he was all the way back in diapers. This move right now is kind of a, well, it's not a full circle. It's that, that first move. It's right. that first move that Cheeky talks about. And going back, though, the thing that I really want to spotlight there that Cheeky talked about is that transition of Toth going from his father's son to Chris Toth, the goalkeeper. Yeah. With such a great, great lineage with that name. You're going, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, we know your dad. 
to be able to say, no, now you know me. And so often I think there's this all around, and this is in any sporting arena, in any landscape, there's always that thing of a guy getting preferential treatment because of his name. Oh, it's so-and-so's son. That's how he got that first in. That's how he got that first step in the door that we didn't get because he had the privilege, because he had the lineage. He was, uh, uh, he was grandfathered in or fathered in, however you want to put it. <laughs> That's not always the case. There's a really interesting flip side to that psychologically and that is the pressure that is then inherently on the shoulders of said kid of said child of name that was beloved whether they were a legend or just a popular character or just a decent player someone a lot of people liked which Christo's father was all of the above and so for him to to become his own man I think there's a a whole story that we could dedicate a whole nother podcast to sometime about the pathway it's such an interesting pathway for Chris Toth and Part of it is so many different kind of psychological analysis that are are universal around the sporting landscape. And I think it's that favoritism, quote unquote, favoritism to a a kid of a legend. And it's like, well, that's not always the case with that quote unquote favoritism comes a lot of pressure and a lot of demands to prove yourself and show that you're more than just your dad's kid. And Chris Toth most definitely did that. And best of luck to him in Ontario. And we'll be seeing him quite soon. Let's oh, not, yeah. let's not act like Chris <laughs> Toth is long gone. He'll be right back here in a couple months. Soccer's in Fury play six times. I'm sure the Fury are going to have a backup keeper, but Chris is starting all six of those games. Pardo <laughs> versus Toth. We finally get to see it. We right. got to talk about quote-unquote Pardo versus Toth, and there was never any feud between those two goalkeepers. They were great, great competitors who kept each other in tip-top shape and ready to go. But, I mean, whether it's two you know quarterbacks of the NFL, two guys who play the same position in baseball or any sport or soccer, I, I don't care the sporting arena. You have that situation where you can be best friends with the dude. You finally get that chance to go toe-to-toe. You're as fired up as anyone could ever be. So I know that one. It's fury against soccer's. But look, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to see that as Pardo versus Toth. The first time that those two great soccer's goalkeepers are going to get to go head-to-head, and one of them's not going to be a soccer's goalkeeper anymore. So cheers to you, Chris Toth. Best of luck in Ontario. Speaking of Boris Pardo, at soccer's training on Thursday morning, had the opportunity to chat with Boris at the conclusion of training. Let's bring you that short conversation now. Boris, we're on the verge of the first preseason match, but the team's been together now for just a couple of days already. I can tell everyone's excited to be together. That's normal, but tell me what you're seeing with this squad out on the field so far. Uh, nothing but quality. Um, the team has been has been meshing well together since day one, and we all, a lot of us know each other off the field as well. Um, but that kind of chemistry does travel onto the field, and, and it's been showing right away in preseason. So many changes for the soccers between 17-18 and 18-19. I know for the fans, they're uh, perhaps lamenting some familiar faces that won't be out on the carpet for the soccers this year. But I tell you what, when it comes to the talent that's been brought in, I think the fans have a lot of pleasant surprises coming their way as well. Yeah, I mean, those players uh, from the past, they've done nothing but great things for the club, so a lot of respect to them. But, you know, the organization is moving in a direction that they want to move in towards a championship. Mm. We're just, we're just all happy to be a part of that forward movement, and we're we're looking for that. We're looking to get that cup this this year for sure. Tell me a little bit about Leo because the the deal this week that brings De Oliveira along with Gonzalez down from Ontario to San Diego. I think Leo's a player that maybe the fans are going to get excited about. Yeah, Leo is something special. He's fun to watch. He's so good on the ball. I mean, the guy can shoot both right and left, and as a goalkeeper, I'm really happy he's on our team. <laughs> well, of course, the, the price that was paid for the soccer's there was sending Chris Toth up to the Fury, which means that the path has been cleared for yourself, Boris. The, the cage is yours now. What's your feeling about being the number one undisputed going into the air? Well, first, uh, nothing but respect for Chris. I, I really enjoyed my time playing with him. We had very, you know, a lot of good chemistry, so you know, I just feel bad how things pan out, but... Um, I'm excited. I'm ready to step up for that that position. I mean, I that's obviously was my goal since day one was to try and be number one, and I'm happy I've I was able to accomplish that. And yeah, looking forward, I just hope to do the best I can in the goal for the, for the organization. 
Last year, you were a road warrior for the San Diego Sockers. Whenever you got on a plane or a bus, you knew that the gloves were going on your hands. This year, you get to play at Valley View Casino Center all the time. That's got to be something you're looking forward to. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was, I was wondering, you know, when, when I'll be able to play at home and here and there. But you know, I did whatever the team needed of me. And um, on, at home, on the road, I think uh, I approach it as every game is an away game. we got to show up and, and play and win. Last thing, as you just look ahead to this season, the MASL continues to improve. Uh, last year, I thought there were basically four teams that were elite, and, and the other teams were trying to catch up. But this year, I look in division, and not only is Ontario bolstered, Tacoma has bolstered. The soccer seem to be a better club, perhaps on paper, than they were last year. What do you think about the competitive level heading into this season? Oh, it's going to be a tight, tight conference uh, now. At Tacoma, they got you know they have a lot of good players now. They've they've you know like you said they've grown the roster. Ontario, with Kristen Goal, you know he's gonna he's gonna stand his ground, and and do a great job for him. Um, but again, I think uh, we all know and believe in our potential and what we can do. And if um, we play the way we know how to play and and we bring the quality that we've been showing in preseason out into a game, I. I I think we'll be I think we'll be just fine and um, ready to take on any team that comes towards us. Well, good luck in Allen, and we look forward to seeing you as we head toward the December 16 home opener. Thank you, Craig. Boris Pardo, and of course, as mentioned, that was recorded on Thursday prior to the Saturday, November 17 preseason match at Allen Events Center, where the Sockers prevailed over the Dallas Sidekicks by a 5-3 final line. And uh, speaking of Pardo, Nate, Boris eight saves, but key in the fourth quarter uh, a big scramble around the net where he made a reaction save a two-handed diving save in the final five minutes uh, and that quality that veteran steadiness that Boris Pardo brings you're talking about a 35 year old guy you're talking about somebody who's not going to panic in the frame and you can't ask for much more than that if you're Boris Pardo, because in a preseason game like this one, you don't always get those opportunities. You don't always get that opportunity to get right back into business mode and have that replication that I need to practice this situation in case it happens in April, May, into the postseason or into the into the regular season a few weeks from now. And I love the ending of that game, that fourth quarter. It felt you hear this in preseason basketball, you hear this all the time. There's occasionally those times this kind of felt like a regular season game, and that's a blessing for any player who took part in that fourth quarter because you got to get into business mode. The season's going to creep up real quick. We're almost there. And for Boris Pardo, yeah, to have that goal mouth scramble, that craziness, a few big saves in a tight game laid on. That could have been a blowout preseason game with nothing really to play for in that fourth quarter. I love the uh, the reps, for lack of a better way to put it, to put it very simply, the the reps under pressure that, uh, that Boris got last night. He is ready to go for this 2018-19 season. And, you know, I would also just toss in the Sockers were in their fifth day together, basically, when they played that match. Uh, the Sidekicks had been training for a slightly longer time. Uh, Dallas, playing their first game in two years, came out fired up. Home crowd fired up, went up 2-0, you know, scored very early in the third quarter to go up 3-2. And really, from that moment on, if you look at, like, the last 28 minutes of the match, the Sockers controlled those 28 minutes. When they had a power play in the fourth quarter, they never released the ball until it was in the back of the net. They held possession for like 90 seconds before Child scored the go-ahead. They get an empty netter. They they hold off a determined attack in the final five. And and to me that meant pretty much all the thing all the boxes you wanted to check in a preseason match exactly. they did. No, that's 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 case in point right there. And you don't always get to do that in a preseason game. And that's not always a bad thing. Sometimes the preseason game it, it comes and goes. Sometimes you actually have really good exhibitions that check all the boxes as you're saying. And by the way, a very fine watch party for oh this game the other day that How I didn't get that? to attend. I would have loved to have eaten some Brazilian food with you, but I was out running errands all around San Diego. But you got to attend. You got to eat some Brazilian food and uh, enjoy the company. And, and I thank you because this is the perfect kind of promotional way to wrap up Soccer's Overtime Episode 1, which is that Brazil by the Bay, right across the street from the sports arena on Kurtz. I mean, you could literally throw a stone, <laughs> but please do not, from the parking lot and strike Brazil by the bay and they have painted the soccer's crest so cool. right by the front door it's brilliant it's the best looking logo on the outside of the building and you know they got another logo over there but the, it's the most beautiful logo on the building and for every soccer's home game okay 
every soccer's home game, Brazil by the Bay is our official pregame spot where you're going to get drink specials, you're going to get food specials, especially for the soccers. Okay, and so a couple hours before every game, the deep end is going to make that their haunt. So you're going to get spirit, you're going to get spirits, <laughs> you're going to get that Brazilian beer I enjoyed, and, and the amazing tri-tip stroganoff or whatever you want to order off the off the menu. Uh that's the place to be, Brazil by the Bay, and then over to the sports arena for every single home game. Yeah, cheers to Brazil by the Bay. Cheers to everybody who went out on uh, Saturday night for that watch party. And here's to many more. Uh, we'll have to make our way over there uh, once or twice before we uh, get all suited and booted and head up yeah. to the to the broadcast gantry. We'll have to a couple of times this season head over and uh, say hello to the good folks at uh, Brazil by the Bay. Cheers to them. And, uh, again, cheers to everybody who came out on Saturday. All right, that wraps it up. In fact, a little longer than we planned to go on this opening edition of Soccer's Overtime, but we had a great interview with Cheeky Luna, and we hope you enjoyed the content next week i'm already planning nate i'm already planning baby next week is the week of the opening of the masl regular season keep this in mind there'll be 27 masl matches played before the soccers take the field for the first time on december 16th and so we are efforting and intent i don't even like the word efforting as yoda says do or do not there is no try wow we will wow have the commissioner of the Major Arena Soccer League, Joshua Schaub, as our live call-in guest next week on Soccer's Overtime. I love it. It'll be my first time talking to uh, Joshua since we were in a hotel room in Monterey back in late <laughs> March following that MASL grand finale between the Flash and the Blast. So uh, good to talk to Josh again. All right. So for Nate Abarea and Chiki Luna and Boris Pardo, Craig Elston saying thank you for making an hour of your time this week for Soccer's Overtime, and we will talk to you next week.